Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Psalm 113 is the most beautiful psalm. Oh, just in case some of you don't know, I'm from Sydney. I am a South Australian girl originally. I come from a little town called Bibarawi in between Borough and Clare. And, uh, and often, actually in Sydney, people often comment on my accent. And uh, I explain to them that uh, in South Australia, our accent is different because we didn't have any convicts. And uh, so, yes, so it's good to be here. It's good to be here in Murray Bridge in this beautiful church. It's such a privilege and... Um, it's just wonderful. And for this beautiful night uh, to have you here. And of course, the theme is Psalm 113. And uh, this is a really lovely psalm. I did a little bit of study on it. And it's, this psalm actually is sung at each Passover before they serve dinner. And so that means, of course, that Jesus and his disciples sung this very psalm uh, at the Last Supper when they were all together. So this is actually a very important little psalm. Uh, it has so much richness in it. Uh, it celebrates uh, both God's majesty and his mercy. And uh, so I thought we'd maybe read together from uh, Psalm 113, just verses 1 to 3 at this point. So this is what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And so this is absolutely a psalm of praise because in those first three verses, it instructs us to praise the Lord five times, and uh, which is quite remarkable, which just shows us the importance of... Of praise that it's repeated so many times and uh, one of my favorite psalms is psalm 92 and that says it says it is good to praise the lord and then a little bit further on it says um, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night so it is good to praise the lord and uh, i became a christian when i was quite young and uh, I was a Christian in the 80s, and so I could have worn your outfit. It would have really fitted. And um, that's power dressing from the 80s. It looks fantastic. And, uh, but in the 80s, for those of you who were believers at that point in time, we repeated ourselves a lot. And, uh, and so I remember saying to the Lord one day, like, Lord, what exactly is praise? Is it just repeating the same thing over and over? And so I went on a little adventure with God. I think it's good to go on an adventure with him, set questions for him, and then he'll show you. So I said, Lord, I need to understand praise. And uh, so I was on my little adventure, not understanding praise at all. And then one night I was watching the news and uh, they had this item on the news about, and they said that this particular night that there was a particular planet that would be the closest to Earth that had been for many, many years. And uh, they were describing it and they said, you know, you have to be outside at 7.45 and you have to look to the east and you'll see this amazing planet. And, uh, and they said how many people were prepared. They were already on the highest hills. They already had their telescopes or whatever it is that they have and they were all ready. And I thought in my mind, oh my goodness, these people need more to do. <laughs> and, um, and then the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, I made that planet. And I thought, oh, oh. And so I said to the kids, kids, 
we're going out to look at this planet at 7.45. It's in the east. I grew up on a farm. I know which way is east. And so, so I made all the kids come out, 7.45, look to the east, and it was the most glorious star I have ever seen. It was incredible. It was so close. It was so beautiful. And suddenly, my spirit was filled with praise. Because when we praise God, we relate to him in his greatness. In the character of God, there are many different ways that we relate to God. So when we come to the Lord with thanksgiving, we relate to him in his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have given to me. When we come in praise, I praise you, my Father in heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We relate to God in his greatness. And when we come to the Lord in worship, we relate to him in his holiness. And so I began to come to understand this great need for me as a disciple of Jesus to relate to him in his greatness because it shifts our faith. It shifts our heart. And uh, my heart was actually open to him. Some of the great keys of the kingdom are thanksgiving and praise and worship. Of course, in Psalm 100, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, and that we are to worship at his footstool. So we come to this place where we worship him in this way, and it actually shifts our spirit. I found that I, when I began to relate to God in his greatness, it shifted my spirit and it built my faith. Because I didn't see God as little, I saw him in his great majesty and immense power that he has. So these three things are an incredible key of the kingdom for our prayer life. Now the thing to remember about our prayer life is that prayer is actually a relationship. It's not just tick the box of things we have to do and things we have to say. It's actually an ongoing, ever-flourishing relationship. You see, the Lord loves your voice. He listens for your voice. He loves it when you come into his presence and speak to him. He hears you. There's no prayer that you have ever prayed that has not been heard by your Father in heaven. Psalm 116 verse 1 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. He hears my cry for mercy. And so it's remembering the goodness and greatness of God, but also his tenderness towards us and how much he deeply values and treasures us. But sometimes our prayer life is hard. It's not always easy. It's not we don't always hear from him. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. We may go in to have our prayer time with great intentions and instead we're thinking to ourselves, oh gosh, I really need to vacuum this carpet. Um, and so we need to kind of build on this. And um, so I was building on my whole, whole idea of, you know, coming to the Lord first with thanksgiving and, and praise and worship. And then one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, Kathy, I always take notice when he uses my name. And he said, Kathy, you enter my presence with a complaint. And I thought, <gasps> and, uh, and then I thought about it and I thought, fair call, I do. I come in, oh God, oh God this, oh God that, oh, 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 oh. And I thought, yeah, that's true, actually. I do enter his presence with a complaint. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, sometimes when you go out for coffee with a friend and all they do is complain, you don't want to go back. 
And I thought, I don't want God to do that to me. So I thought, I'm going to have this shift. It was one of the big shifts in my spirit that happened in my prayer life when I made a decision that I would enter his presence with joy. And um, there's a little bird that's outside of our window, our bedroom window, and I often leave the window open so that I can hear it because it, it sings just before the sun rises. So it sings in the early part of the dawn. And I love to listen for this little bird. I don't get up until I hear it. And, uh, and the Lord said to me one day, just as you lean in and list to listen for this little bird, so do I lean in to listen for you. And I realised that the birds of creation, before they look for food, before they do anything, they sing to their creator. All of the little birds and the big birds sing a song to their creator before they do anything. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be like one of the birds and I'm going to sing to my creator before I do anything. And this made a big change to me because I just would come into his presence with a joy in my heart. And I thought, well, prayer is a relationship. So all of my friends, when I see my friends, I don't just, I always say hello first. I don't just launch into the conversation, which is often what we do with God. We just launch into the conversation. So I thought, I'm going to say hello every time I have my prayer time. So every time I have my prayer time, I always say, hello, Lord, in my little bird voice. And, um, and then I follow it up with a little joke. And I always say, hello, Lord. I say, how are you today? And then I say, oh, that's right. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> and then I always have a ha, 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 ha. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, same joke every time, and uh, the Lord gets it, and uh, so, and so I'm, it's always a happy time for me. Deciding to be happy at the very beginning of my prayer time actually had this massive change in me. And so I have been actually doing that for years, same joke, and uh, same voice, same everything. Hello, Lord, how are you today? And, um, oh, that's right. Same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then one day, I often have my prayer time actually in our church building. I get up really early in the morning and go into the building when it's dark, which I love, and, uh, because I can pray out loud, whereas at home I can't because of you know, the kids and the family. And one day I went in and uh, I said, Hello, Lord. How are you today? And before I could say my joke, the Lord replied. Now... Keeping in mind, I've done this same thing for years, and he's never, ever said anything, ever. Just appreciated the little joke. And uh, I said, hello, Lord, how are you today? And he replied, and he said, I am well. And I, 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 I didn't know what to do. Like, oh, oh, like the joke wasn't applicable anymore. And, uh, and then he spoke to me again, and he said, oh, he said, I am seated at the right hand of the Father. And when he said that, oh my goodness, I just fell to my knees because he revealed his majesty in that moment. Now, of course, I know from the scriptures that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. I've known this for a long time, but there's a difference between knowing it and knowing it. And when the Lord speaks to us in a scripture or confirms his word, it's like a, a treasure and a revelation that's not compared to anything else. 
And when he said it, it was the way that he said it. It was extremely humble. It was kind. But it was also majestic and powerful all at the same time. And I often think about it. I often think about what it sounded like. I often think about how he said it. But it also made this magnificent shift in my spirit, knowing that God, uh, Jesus, is all-powerful, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The shift that it brought was that when I do bring my sorrows to the Lord, I know where he is. I know. And the scriptures go on to say in Hebrews, it says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, but then it goes on to say that he intercedes for us. So not only is he seated there, but he is praying for us. And seeking our good. And so as I think about God's kindness, if we continue on in Psalm 113, it says this at verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. And so we have this beautiful picture of this wonderful, glorious God. But you see, our Father in heaven doesn't just stoop down to look. He just doesn't look at us in our misery. He actually raises us from the dust. He lifts the needy, which of course all of us are. God provided for us. He looked upon us and he knew that we needed to be rescued. He knew, knew that we needed to be saved. And so he sent his one and only son so that we would not perish but that we would have eternal life. But that's not all that God does for us. If that was all he did, that would actually be enough. It would be enough for you and I. It would be enough for all of us. But he went even further in that when Jesus becomes our Lord and Saviour, he walks with us every day of our life and on into eternity. He hears every prayer. He knows our heart. He cares for us as a good shepherd. He lifts us up and he heals the brokenhearted. His kindness extends through our life and on into eternity and he provides for our healing. Now, there's many things that we need healing from. Uh, we need physical healing. We need healing from things that have happened to us. Jesus said that he came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. He said that prophetically in Luke 4, and he was quoting Isaiah 61. He said, this is what I've come to do, to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And we all need healing of different types, for our heart, for things that happen to us. And so Jesus is there for us. And one day um, I was praying, and it really came alive for me of all of the things that Jesus provides for us. And one morning I was having a prayer time and it was early in the morning and the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, Kathy, he said, I want you to be just as godly in uh, private as you are in public. So this is one of the things like for most of us we're good, you know, on the outside but in the home we kind of let things go. And so when the Lord said that, I want you to be just as godly in private as in public, I said, yes, Lord. I was in agreement with what he said. Well, that was a particularly busy day that I had that day. We had um, six overseas pastors coming for this big event. And uh, our church was hosting them. 
and we were having this big seafood dinner for our overseas pastors. And, and the piece de resistance of this seafood dinner was a fish that my husband had caught. And uh, it was in my fridge. And um, we had this fabulous cook in our church called Jane. And uh, I didn't have to cook the fish, which is good because I can't. And um, so Jane, the fabulous cook, she was going to have all the pastors at her house and this extravagant seafood dinner with Richard's fish at her home. And uh, all I had to do was get the four kids there, my four children, who were very young at the time, and the fish to the dinner. But I had a very tricky day. And uh, one of the problems for me was that my car was being fixed and uh, I had to pick it up. So I rang the mechanic and I said, look, I really have to have the car this afternoon. I said, will the car be ready at four o'clock? And he said, absolutely, your car will be ready at four o'clock. The other tricky part was that it was quite a long way from our home. I didn't have a car. I did have four children and I had to catch the bus. And I thought to myself, I can do this. We can get there by four o'clock. We can do it. And uh, so I got the kids, we catch the bus and we get there at five minutes to four. I cannot begin to tell you how triumphant I felt. <laughs> I was, oh, come on, this is like, this is the glory day. And so I get in there with the four kids and I said, I'm here to get my car. And he said, oh, we're not quite finished. He said, just have a seat here in this boring room with all four of your kids. <laughs> and... Um, so, oh, okay. And so I sit down and I'm waiting and uh, waiting. Five minutes went, 10 minutes went, 15 minutes went. The only saving grace was that I actually had a packet of biscuits in my bag to feed the kids while they were climbing up the walls. 20 minutes passed by, 25 minutes passed by, 50 minutes, 50 minutes later, back comes the mechanic with my car. I was so mad. And uh, I got in the car and I was in Chatswood and Chatswood by this time is five o'clock and uh, you may never have been there but don't go because by <laughs> 5 p.m. it was absolutely gridlocked and I had to get home with the four kids and I'm I'm driving along and I'm thinking to myself, I could kill those mechanics. And then uh, this is the beautiful difference, of course, between Richard and myself. Richard wanted to evangelise the mechanics and I wanted to kill them. Anyway, so I'm driving home and I'm, I'm just so mad. And then I'm driving along and I'm thinking, wait, Kathy, the kids are not going to eat this fabulous seafood dinner. They're not going to eat it. I've got to get food for them before I go with the fish and everything. And I thought, okay, I'll get them chips. And so I stopped the car and got chips. And then we get home and uh, I said to the kids, there's no time to put the baby in the high chair. Put her on the floor and feed her the chips. <laughs> and so the kids are on the floor. And for some reason that still I don't understand, there was a connect group at my home that night even though I wasn't there. And my home looked like it had been just tipped over by a very cruel home invader. And so I'm frantically trying to clean up this wretched kitchen for the connect group and then get the kids so that I could go. And I was in such a hurry and then the phone rang and it was one of these kind of phone calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm on the phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, get off the phone and then... Um, the chips are all over the floor because the little one, the youngest one, had such a lovely time flinging the <laughs> chips everywhere. And I thought, I don't even care. And then into the middle of this walked Richard. And up I went like Mount Vesuvius. 
And I said, I had to wait for 50 minutes for the car. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, why didn't you get the car? And, uh, and I said, I had to wait for 50 minutes. I'm supposed to have the fish at Jane's place for the fabulous seafood dinner. And now, in hindsight, Richard's expression was slightly frozen. But I didn't take any notice of that. I just kept going. I just kept going about the fish and blah, blah, blah. Up like... Anyway, but what I didn't know was that behind Richard, outside of my view, were the six overseas pastors. And Richard said, Kathy, I'd like to introduce you to Pastor So-and-so and Pastor Such-and-Such. And so they came across my floor through the chips. <laughs> Hello. And I said, hello. And uh, I said, Richard, maybe you'd like to take everybody into the lounge room and I could get them a cup of tea. And so he took them into the lounge room and I, I just stood there like, oh, Lord. And then the wife of one of the pastors came in. Now, I had met her before. And so she came in and I thought, good, I can give her my explanation for Mount Vesuvius. And uh, so she came in. She said, let me help you. And I said, okay. And so then I started explaining. I said, look, you know, I had to wait for 50 minutes for the car. I'm supposed to be at Jane's for the fabulous seafood dinner. I've still got the fish. And in the middle of my explanation, she interrupted me. And she said, isn't Richard wonderful? <laughs> and and, I, and I, I thought, this is my explanation. And I thought, and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, Richard's wonderful. And she said, you know, he comes home and the children are eating on the floor and he doesn't even say anything. And I thought, Lord. So that night at the fabulous seafood dinner was the longest night of my life. And when I got into bed that night, I said to the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, when you said that bit about, you know, just as godly in private as in public... I said, I didn't realise you meant today. <laughs> but the thing was that there was something that happened to me because every time I thought about that incident and those six overseas pastors, I would put my hand to my face and I thought, what is that? And I thought, oh, that is shame. That's what shame does. Shame makes you put your hands to your face. You cover your face. You can't look. And I thought, oh. And I realised that the Lord was taking me on another little adventure to discover his provision for shame. And it was a great adventure, actually. It was a great adventure of healing. And uh, I came to understand all that Jesus had done for me. You see, one of the provisions of the cross is healing from shame. You see, when Jesus died on the cross for us, it wasn't just about our sins. Of course, he did... He there was a divine and supernatural exchange because the cross is deeply personal. It's not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but we actually take hold of the provision of the cross. When you give your heart to Jesus, there's an exchange that happens. And he took your sin upon himself and in exchange he gave you his righteousness. This is the first exchange. And for most of us, this is the one that we understand because when we give our heart to Jesus, this is the one thing we know, that we confess our sin 
and we have his forgiveness. He took our sin upon himself, remembering that Jesus was without sin. He was completely sinless. None of the cross was about him. It was all about us. He laid down his life in order that we would be free. And so he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. But there's other provisions of the cross as well. And I think in our journey with Jesus, you take hold of it one thing at a time. So the other things that he did for us was that he took our death upon himself. The death that we deserved, he took upon himself. And in exchange, he gave us his life. He gave us eternal life. The other things that he gave took were our sorrows. In Isaiah 53 verse 4, it says that he carried our sorrows. So the sorrows that are in our life, Jesus took all of those sorrows upon himself and in exchange he gave us his joy. Equally, he took upon himself the curse that is upon us. In Galatians 3.13, it explains that there is a curse that everyone is under, but Jesus broke that curse. He took it upon himself, and in exchange, we have his blessing. One of the beautiful things, too, that Jesus took upon himself was our rejection. This actually has quite a, a, been a big one for me, understanding that Jesus took the rejection that I deserve upon himself in order that I would have acceptance with the Father. You see, in Matthew 27, 46, when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That wasn't about Jesus. He felt it intensely. For that brief moment, his Father in heaven rejected him, but not because of him, but because of me, because of you. See, Jesus fully experienced that deep rejection in order that we would have acceptance with the Father. But this little adventure that I went on was about shame. And so he took our shame upon himself in order that we would have his freedom and his glory. This is a great provision for us. And in Hebrews 12, at verse 2, it talks about this provision. And it says this. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, when Jesus was crucified, this was the worst possible, most humiliating execution that was reserved for the lowest class of criminals. Romans were never um, executed that way because it was considered so humiliating. It was reserved for the lowest class of criminal. And so when Jesus was crucified on the cross, it was complete shame. He was stripped naked. He was hung on the cross. Uh, Jesus was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning and he died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was six very long hours. And the practice of the day was that people used to hurl insults and do all kinds of things to those on the cross at the time. It was a public spectacle. You see, Jesus deliberately and willingly took that cross and that burden upon himself in order that we would have his freedom. In uh, Isaiah uh, 50, it says that Jesus, it talks about the Messiah to come and it says that he set his face like flint. Jesus was very determined to go to the cross in order that we would have his freedom. And so this is one of the provisions of the cross that I came to understand. The provision of the cross is equally, just as it takes our sin, it equally takes our shame. 
And uh, I, at first I thought, I don't know quite how to take hold of this. I don't know how to make this real in my heart or real in my life. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. But as time went on, I began to understand the provision of the cross. And so we actually receive this healing and this freedom in exactly the same way that we were born again. It's exactly the same. You just take it upon you. We come in faith and we receive. So just as you receive forgiveness of sins, equally you receive this freedom from shame. So we look to him. We fix our eyes on him, just as the scriptures say. There's a beautiful Psalm 34 verse 5. It says, Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. So firstly, we look to Jesus we remember all that he has done for us. Our faith is in the cross. Our faith is in the provision of the cross, totally understanding that the cross is sufficient. When One of the last things that Jesus cried out from the cross was he said, it is finished, meaning it is completely complete. There was nothing more that had to be done. And we know that the cross was sufficient because God raised him from the dead. This was the proof that the cross was sufficient. You see, the cross is sufficient for your life, completely and utterly sufficient. There's nothing else. It is totally sufficient. So we come to him, we look to Jesus, then we have faith in the cross. And so faith doesn't have to be as large as, you know, we think it might need to be. Faith is in our heart. And so we believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross for us, for our shame, and that his healing will come. And then we begin to thank him for his healing power. It's just those three little things that we fix our eyes, our faith is on the cross, and that we thank him. Now, thanking God actually does a huge amount in our heart, as I said before, and in our spirit. And thanking God is actually a provision of, it's actually a proclamation of faith in him. Thank you, Lord, that you are healing me. Thank you, Lord, that you are lifting my shame. Thank you, Lord, that you are healing my heart. Now, shame can be many things. It can be generational. You can have generational shame. It can be your family. It can be circumstances. It can be things that people have said or done. But we carry this shame and we all kind of are aware of it in a funny kind of way. We sort of know that it's there. But the Holy Spirit uh, gives light onto this and brings it into the light so that we can have his healing. And this is the great thing and the great adventure of healing. Now, for some people, the Holy Spirit... And Jesus heals us like that, which is wonderful. And for some people, it's a long journey. So for me, it was long. But actually, I kind of enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed the revelation a little bit at a time. And I think long journeys, although they don't feel so good, actually are a little treasure in themselves because we learn to wait on him. And uh, there's a beautiful scripture in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. And it says, No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. And that's actually a quote from Isaiah 64 verse 4. And it actually says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine what the Lord has prepared for those who wait for him. And when you put those two things together, those two scriptures, it's for us because we love him and we also wait on him. And uh, waiting isn't as bad as it seems. 
because the Lord does things in our spirit. We all, of course, know the beautiful scripture from Isaiah. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, there's a reward for waiting in there. There's a reward for us. And I just believe that there's a reward in waiting too for a healing. It's not what we would actually want because we're, you know, a little bit McDonald's generation. You know, want it straight away. And when they say there's a two-minute wait on that, you think, what? Um, But there's things that the Lord does in our spirit. So I would like to pray for you for this incredible adventure with Jesus. I just really believe that the Holy Spirit is present for you to begin an adventure. Not everybody in the room will be experiencing or feeling shame, but there may be people in your life that you know really burdened with shame so maybe you could stand for them in a moment when I pray for you but for some of you it might be for you for some of you it might be for your family but I just believe the Holy Spirit is here with his healing power to do something in our heart and uh, a little while ago this lady in our church had a vision uh, and she said oh Kathy I had a vision uh, of you and she said I could see your heart and I said oh and she said and it was all like messed up and I oh and I thought I have no idea what to do with that vision and um but I thought actually I thought I'm just going to receive healing from my heart every day because Jesus said I have come to heal the brokenhearted so that's what I would like to do for you that we come and we receive so that you're expectant of receiving and accepting whichever way God does it whether it's immediate or whether it's on a little journey both are good in fact both of them are precious in his sight But before I do that, I would just like to give a little opportunity um, that perhaps you've come with a friend tonight or perhaps someone brought you along or perhaps you've been in this church for a while and uh, you really long to know Jesus. I would say to you that Jesus loves you deeply. He has a plan for your life. In fact, Jesus has known you since before the beginning of time. And uh, I just know that when there's... oh. A little yes in your heart for Jesus. <clears throat> That's all you need. Just a little yes in your heart. Yes, Jesus, I want to know you. Yes, Jesus, I want you as my good shepherd. It's a little yes. Because the little yes in your heart begins a great adventure. An adventure with Jesus. That is, for yesterday, he wipes everything clean. He makes you new. He makes you like a new person. It's for your today, for the healing that he walks with you, that he's your shepherd and cares for you, and it's for eternity. This is the great promise of Jesus, and all you need is a little yes in your heart. So before we pray, I would just like to pray for anyone in the room that you have a little yes in your heart. I'd like everyone to bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you know every woman in this room, and I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to come. Lord, for any woman in the room with a little yes in their heart, that you would give them your great boldness, Lord, and that they would say yes to you tonight. Lord, I thank you that today is the day of salvation. Now, while everybody's eyes are closed, if you have a little yes in your heart, if you would like to know Jesus, just put your hand in the air where I can see it. Love to pray with you. I would love to lead you to Him, to Jesus. He's known you, He loves you. If there's a little yes in your heart,
If you want to know Jesus as your friend and your saviour, just place your hand in the air where I can see it. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I can see your hands. I can see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Lord, I just ask your Holy Spirit on these beautiful women. Lord, these women who raised their hand. Lord, I thank you for the journey that they are about to begin. Lord, ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon them. Lord, that you would fill their heart. Lord, I thank you. I bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what I'd like is for everyone to stand. And I'd just like to pray for you. I'd just like to pray the blessing of Isaiah 61 over you. And... Um, this is the promise of Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, King of Kings. If you just receive from Jesus, you might want to hold your hands out. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to take our shame. And Lord, I thank you that our faces are radiant when we look at you. Lord, ask for the power of your Holy Spirit on each and every woman on the room. Lord, ask for your Holy Spirit to come. Lord, that you would lift our shame and in its place would be your freedom, your blessing, your joy. I just speak joy in Jesus' name. I speak a new season and a new day, that the old things are gone and that the new things have come. Come, Holy Spirit. I just speak joy in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you came to rescue the brokenhearted. Lord, I thank you that you said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because you are anointed, Lord Jesus. You were sent to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. Lord, I thank you that you will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise in place of a spirit of despair. For you will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Lord, I thank you that instead of shame, you, each one will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in your name. We thank you, Jesus, and we bless you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.